You are listening to the Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did you say you're doing wrestling moves? Oh god, I'm bleeding. Jason Kale's walking around on stilts was fucked up. Hi, I'm Feedy. My name is Dave. And you're listening to the Thundercling Podcast. Pandemic Special. Well, it's like episode three of the Pandemic Special, right? Yeah. This is our continuing in-depth investigative uh, climbing coronavirus podcast. Yeah. We're currently in like the, uh, the depressed phase of that, I think. Right. We're we're getting into the stir crazy. We're, yeah, stir crazy. One thing you might be able to recognize from the audio quality is that we are doing this in person. Yeah. Me and Feedy are together right now. We are. However, from a respectable distance, I set everything up. He didn't have to touch anything I touched. We are socially distant. Yeah. Um, my microphone cords are what like twenty feet long each. Yes. So we could do this. All day, forty feet away from each that other. That would be We're really not quite cool. That far it'd be right hard. Now. It'd be hard on the listeners because we actually would be, be yelling. We'd be screaming at each yeah. other. We scream at each other. Anyway, um, should we tell the backstory of of our intro here? Yes. So, <laughs> first of all, happy Earth Day to everybody. Yo, viva la uh, Earth. <laughs> um, we recorded an intro and outro last night. Yes. And I woke up this morning, and I think Feedy did too, <laughs> and we decided to re-record because perhaps we were- a b- We came off maybe a little bit too much like too- Too laissez-faire. Too, br- too climber bros just broing out their bro feelings <laughs> we were about super climbing. Broing. And, you know, we maybe don't necessarily agree with- what we said or I think we had a private enough. conversation that we record for a public yes recorded for like, a public podcast and that is an unwise thing to do oh yeah so we're re-recording <laughs> and um we have some thoughts before we get to the interview today let, let's talk about that real quick yeah so um on the show we don't really feel like talking to professional climbers right now or like people that are like raging or have raged in pre-corona mm-hmm. days um so we got a couple of local business owners, Thomas Betterton from the majority owner of the DBC, which is a local climbing gym in Denver. Yeah, Denver Bouldering Club. Denver Bouldering Club. And uh, Don Boucher, who owns Wilderness Exchange in the 2.2 million mm-hmm. person metropolis of Denver. It is the only independent climbing. Yes. And like backcountry skiing and camping and both uh, are, split boarding Both store. are super awesome filled with super awesome communities of people who are really dedicated to the each business and and dedicated to building their own like communities they support all kinds of advocacy um issues they're both just you know dbc has the heart and soul comp for cancer research they're great great companies and we wanted to talk to those guys about how they're kind of weaving their way through dealing with this as business owners yeah because you know um besides everyone getting sick and dying that is a huge huge uh they're essentially facing the biggest problem of 
they're like the cliche problem, right? Yeah. They're the problem, the go-to thing where you can pinpoint and say, these people are fucking struggling. So we're going to talk to them here in a minute, but we wanted to talk a little bit first about some issues that we have. Mm-hmm. So and it revolves around the uh, stay-at-home turning into a safer-at-home order, at least in Denver. In Colorado. Denver. That lift, is that Monday? I think it's the 26th. Expires on Sunday, maybe. Our shelter-at-home mm-hmm. expires. Now, that, that doesn't mean bars and restaurants are going to open. That's phase two. They're saying they're going to investigate that May 15th. But what's going to happen is that shelter-in-place is going to be done. Yes. And that means all this pent-up energy is going to be unleashed into the wild. Maybe, yeah. And (laughs) that means that people are going to be heading to the crags. Most likely. Most likely, Because it's already happening right now. Realistically, the crags are fucking packed. packed For sure. Yes. There's no doubt about it. Nobody's listening to, like, don't climb. Well, very few people are. Well, I don't know. 40% of climbers probably aren't listening to... Mm -hmm. This, you know, don't go out and do that stuff. Um, but the rub of it all is, is that like at the time of our recording right now, like 2,200 people have died today. 30,000 plus new cases have of coronavirus have been found today. The United States as a whole is uh, not close to flattening the curve. Well, they're closer. We haven't flattened the curve. Yeah. And we're opening up our shelter at home protocols to be in some businesses are going to be opening and it's, but most importantly for this podcast, climbers are going to be like, Hey, it's safe to climb now. Yeah. But maybe, maybe it isn't, maybe it isn't <laughs> such a good idea. Yeah. Our thoughts were, why not? Why don't climbers as a community decide, let's give this two more weeks. Mm-hmm. Let's give it two more weeks before we go out in mass and kind of see what happens when the shelter at home restrictions yeah. are lifted and we can get some data on how that's going to affect a spike in cases. Right? Yeah. It's just two weeks. Yeah. But we're not fucking experts. No. <laughs> we need some leadership. Yes. We're the climbing leaders. That's the <laughs> other thing. Where do climbers get their get our cues from? What, like, who are the leaders that? It's fucking certainly isn't the federal government. Um, it certainly isn't modeling because once you lift shelter at home, modeling all that previous modeling goes out the window. So we can't rely on models. We can't rely on federal government. State government is opening. State governments are opening up um, slowly. Some responsibly. Some not. I mean, fucking Georgia is opening their climbing gyms yep. on Friday. Friday. That is... So the question is, like, where are the climbing lead? Where's the access fund? Like, why isn't the access fund doing a weekly update of best practices mm-hmm. for climbers or some leadership organization? Dude, it's so confusing to me how we just spent about a month essentially restricting visitation with other people by a huge percent. You know, in theory, you shouldn't have really seen anybody. And then to, like, an example is just Georgia, and then to go from that to, like, all right, it's back to normal. Like, that, that what was the point of that month then? Like, we res- maybe lowered the amount of cases, but when you reintroduce the possibility that people can go into large gatherings again, 
that won't make a difference. You know, like, yes, it's super confusing. A 30 day plan is exactly what it's telling you. It is, it is a plan for 30 days of strict self-control to fucking mitigate the spread of, um, you know, it's not Ebola, but it's a virus that is killing people. Yeah. And also causing, like, uh, you know, economic havoc. So that was our 30-day plan. We need a fucking long-term plan. And climbing specifically needs a long-term best practices plan for the next, like, year. Mm -hmm. Because there's going to be more waves. I mean, this is, it's it's a coronavirus. One of what, however many coronaviruses there are. These things come in waves. Yeah. Well... I guess the at the end of the day, do your best to refrain from going outside right now still. I it's think just, so. I think just, just give it a couple more weeks. That currently just sort of, it's a shitty pill to swallow, but I think it kind of is, when it boils down to it, like the, the most ethical choice you can make. Um. The shittiest choice you can make, but yeah. the most responsible maybe. Yeah, and uh, I do think you know, no, not everyone's gonna listen to that for sure. And if you're one of those people, then just at least for the love of God, avoid big crowds. Like, yeah, that's if like, you're gonna just, fucking do it, don't do that because that's 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 embarrassing. Like driving through Clear Creek Canyon and every crag is packed with cars. That's the exact opposite of of what we all should be doing, and it kind of it's it's. And that's, that's, it's just confusing. (laughs) Everything's confusing. It's all so confusing. The other thing to talk about is like, obviously climbing isn't (laughs) rock climbing. Isn't driving the spread of the coronavirus. Obviously all of you people is like, you guys are fucking going crazy. You're really overreacting. You're right. You're right. Climbing probably has going out and climbing probably won't affect Mm -hmm. anything, but here's the thing. It could. Right. So we all know that are the six foot physical distancing protocols. Why is it six feet? Why is it not 10 feet? Why is it not four feet? A friend explained this to me a while ago. It's six feet because a cough or a sneeze and those aerosol particles that come out in a stagnant environment will generally fall to the ground in six feet. So if you're standing six feet away, somebody's sneeze is going to hit the ground before it hits you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So now we're doing some worst case scenario shit here, Feedy, real quick. But mm-hmm. I, I just I want to do it. Uh, yeah, Let's let, say you're at, you're at the crag, okay, and you're like, oh, I'm safe. I'm outdoors. What could happen? And you're standing six feet away from the a belayer, right? Mm-hmm. And you're belaying your your pal on this climb. The person six feet away from you sneezes. A light breeze picks up. Suddenly that six feet doesn't make any difference anymore. Nope. And the, those aerosol particles hit you in your mouth as you're like, breathe to your buddy. Yeah. Because you got to always remember to tell your partner to breathe or they'll forget. And they, a lot <laughs> of climbers have died that way because they just forget to breathe. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, yeah. Which is another pandemic that we need to address. address. Yeah. The, how people, how climbers forget to breathe unless their partner says breathe. Um, 
But I mean, that's a potential yeah. worst case scenario way you could spread it. So that leads me also to think about why isn't the access fund or, or the CWA, whoever, some leadership in climbing coming out with best practices. Yeah. Like when we all do go out, should belayers wear masks? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, that's that's those are discussions that are going to be happening in the community for a long time to come, which is just, yeah. I mean, what what's the new etiquette for if you go up to a crag and there's already people there, you know? Or, or you're in the case where someone shows up to the crag and it's a small space and they refuse to keep their distance or or they're like i don't care about coronavirus it's not my problem if you're concerned about it like you should leave you know i think there's just going to be weird kind of conflict in the community over this and also there's a really cool rainbow uh oh my god we're recording outside and there's dude it's beautiful it's like right over the thunder rainbow the thunder rainbow (laughs) there truly is a rainbow right over the top of us here this is amazing it's beautiful got all the colors of the rainbow i'm getting verklempt um well anyway we, yeah why don't we head on to the interview and if you guys want to stick around we'll probably talk some more about our th- about the weirdness of everything that is happening right now in our lives yeah <laughs> the cool thing about this interview with thomas and don too from the wilderness yes. exchange and dbc is that i think you're going to be pleasantly surprised correct by their uh road warrior positivity mm-hmm. like they are so positive in this really trying time um, so despite what we just talked about, yeah, I think this is going to be an upper, not a downer. Yeah, I this agree. is going to be. If I had to lean one way, I'd probably lean left, cause social injustice don't get my respect now. Some say my heart, it's bleeding out of my Yeah, most people build theirs in garages or backyards. Dave just builds it in his living room. Dave, you could always, <laughs> you could always have room for a television between one of those, like, uh, girders there. You could actually have... TV while you're bouldering. Like right there. Right there. Yeah. I'm thinking like get something positioned in there and that's like the dino spot. You have to dino past the TV. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you can never touch the fucking you... TV. <laughs> you can have like you can simulate different crags. Like you can pretend you're Aldo and have like rocks falling on you from the <laughs> like, oh my god. Yes. <laughs> there will just be that'll be my I'll have Don Wall showing at all times and every time <laughs> I'm up I'm just like this is my fucking Don Wall man. It's aspirational man. Totally. Well, it's what we can do. Well, see, I don't know if you can see this but I've I've really been working on my Zoomscape. I have the fake uh, fireplace in the background. The wood, it makes you feel kind of warm like That's really nice. Chair. Make yourself comfortable. <laughs> I Look, see he's got the guitar. Yes, that is, it's a fake guitar neck, right in the background ah, there. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, little nice. smoke, little smoke and mirrors. Wow, it's very oh. inviting, dude. Where are you really? Are yeah, you it's been, like, in. Are you just hanging out in some like train spotting bathroom in real life? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm going crazy. <laughs> bathroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, that's, that's what, he, what do you got? What do you got, Glimp? I expected uh, you'd have like a, a bouldering backdrop. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I do have a wall down in my basement, but my wife works from home, so I figured I'd just use her office because it's the the quietest room in my house. Um, yeah. But now I'm wishing I had put more more time and thought into this whole thing. 
I know. I feel a little. I feel embarrassed myself too. I have like a backpacking in there. That's right. Oh, Feedy, what are you trying to? What are you trying to? What messaging are you trying to create here with your? You know, I feel bad because uh, there is none, and that's your uh, message. I feel under- underprepared, that's baby, caught off guard. <laughs> How are you? Have you guys had social distancing dreams yet? Where you, in your dream you're like, oh, I shouldn't get too close. Yeah, I have. I was in REI. <laughs> and somebody was fitting a pack. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, I, I like that you were at, I like that you were at REI. <laughs> well, I began my retail career at REI, actually. I got it. That was my first gear shop job in 1990. Um, 1990. I worked at the Berkeley REI. How old are you? Me? Yeah. Are you, are you legally able to ask that question? I, I am. I, I vetted okay. myself. Yes. I'm 53. 53. Oh, yeah. I asked you that at Real Rock. Fuck, man. Yeah. 53. Looking good, dude. Go around asking people how old they are. Thomas, how old are you? Uh, I'm, yeah, it's only fair. I'm 36. Cool. And Youngster. you've seen now for about almost like eight years, right? What's that? You've, for the DVC, you've had uh, DVC for about eight years? Uh, just over ten, actually. We started 10, in two thousand nine. Yeah, so it was uh, summer of '09. Yeah. So you opened your business after the, after the Great Recession. You. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough when we opened. Uh, yeah. It, it took a few years for I think to really rebound. Um, we were started out really small and then just kind of grew progressively with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind I of, remember those early days of the DBC, that was uh, like the couches and the open space. That was awesome. Yeah. It's, it's come a really long way, isn't it? It kind of really just started out with a, you know, a handful of climbers wanting to, you know, make a space where they could train and, and pursue their love of the sport. And I think the idea just really took off with a lot of people and we've kind of just grown, you know, as the community's grown. Uh, but it's, it, I don't know. It's an, it's an awesome place to hang out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think one thing that the DBC has, and um, I could get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've, st- I've said it before on the podcast like 10 times. Uh, but you guys just straight out, flat out, have the best setting in Denver. That's just all there is to it. Nice. I really appreciate that. I think it's something the setting team puts a ton of work into, and it's always been a big focus of our gym. I think it's a. Uh, uh, you know, maybe one of the luxuries of it being like a climber owned and operated gym as we understand that the setting is really important and we're yeah. trying all of those rock climbs ourselves. And so, you know, we're all really uh, invested in having like a, you know, great, great climbs for, you know, at the gym. Well, it's like, I always think it's kind of like an art. I remember um, before DBC opened and after Paradise closed, I climbed at Rockin' and Jammin'. And Rocket and Jammin had pretty good setting, but they were, it was so fucking tweaky. It was so incredibly tweaky. You were always worried. Man, Lloyd set them all, and he's like 10 feet tall. It's like, Ew! Yeah, Lloyd and Gachalia, JP Gachalia, too. Uh, well, our, our setting manager, TJ, kind of looks at it not necessarily as an art, but maybe more like. Um, you know, sort of a, a craft or like a building thing, like say you're building like a really nice table or a really nice chair. You want that to be something that looks beautiful 
but also like if you sit down in the chair and it falls over and you break your leg, it's not like a great chair and regardless of how good it looks. So it has to have that, you know, functionality to it. So almost like if you were doing high-end woodworking or like building a nice custom house, that's kind of the the approach that they take towards route saying, yeah, exactly. You got it going on. You know, you know what's up. Dave's high-end woodworking. I'm preaching to the choir here. It's very fitting. Climbing podcast. So Thomas started the DBC like uh, 2009. Can you talk about um, your opening up of Wilderness? We, we opened Wilderness in 2000. And at that time, uh, on Platt Street, there was really almost nothing going on there. I mean, we literally, like when we opened our doors, used to like sweep hypodermic needles off the door stoop. I mean, it was like nothing. Nothing. It's hard to even like for my brain to even imagine what Denver was like at that time and point in time. Okay. I had opened uh, the, the confluence across the street at that time, though. They were they were directly across the street from us, and they had been there for several years. Um, they were the pioneers on Platt Street for sure. Yeah, they were. That was a fucking great shop, man. I love it. That was place. and there's like there were so many different startup businesses, uh, several bike stores, uh, a skate shop and snowboard shop, uh, image came, uh, in 01. And, um, as soon as all of these sort of symbiotic businesses started opening down on Platt street that were outdoor oriented, um, it really was the basis for the community and sort of the flavor that even like today, like we're, we're seeing two brand stores go across the street from us, uh, world yeah. Fjall Raven, I believe uh, there's another, yes. although they were in negotiations, which means they've probably bailed, right, uh, at this point uh, from the retail store opening. But there's a Rab uh, store on the yep. street, skate shop still there, uh, and then REI, of course. Um, and yep. it's kind of become the plate, like what I'd hoped, like, you know. I said I started, you know, working with REI in Berkeley in 90 at that time. It was down in, in San Pablo, Gilman area. And and this was like the golden era of gear shops. And it, we call it the gear ghetto. I mean, North Face started down there, Sierra Designs, Mountain Hardware, Royal Robbins had the factory outlet. Um, there was REI Title IX started there, um, the, the women's uh, outdoor apparel store. Um, and it was there's a windsurfing shop. There's an Alpine ski shop there, and there was wilderness exchange also in that neighborhood. And that was sort of the original vision of what I had hoped would happen on Platt street is that it would become the place where, and you were working at mountain miser at the time, I think when we opened or shortly after, right, Dave? Yeah. yeah. I started there in 2000. So I you, remember you started when we opened the shop. Yeah. Yeah. And I would come, um, and like shop you guys, like David would be like, Hey, go over to wilderness, see how everybody's doing. So I'd sneak in there and like secret shop. And then I think, uh, I think I've told you this story, but um, we made up these t-shirts that said friends don't let friends shop at REI. And I would go, I would go to the flagship parking lot, like that giant parking lot. <laughs> And I would hand out friends don't let friends shop at REI t-shirts for free until they finally came out of REI and grabbed me. And they're like, are you 
are you the one giving away these t-shirts? And I said, yeah, I'm sorry. Wow. And they kicked me off the premises. <laughs> oh man, somebody at like their corporate headquarters had a meeting about you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, sure. like, definitely. There's, there's some unrest in the Denver marketplace. We have to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need to send out a couple enforcers. Well, here's the thing. Here's the dovetail of um, when that REI opened for outdoor, uh, for small outdoor independent stores. That was a that was a really hard time because the internet right. was just exploding, and like you could buy a pair of Cobras in 2002 for like forty dollars from the Spanish website. Yep. I forgot oh, what yeah, that yeah. was. And then Barabbas, I believe it it was one of them. Uh, Barabbas. Barabbas Barabbas is, I think that's a biblical, isn't there a Barabbas uh, that was somewhat, it was like a a biblical traitor. Didn't Barabbas? Yeah, he was a figure in the New Testament in he, he betrayed held by the Roman governor at the same time as Jesus, and whom Pontius Pilate freed at the Passover feast. That's right. Barabbas oh, got freed. Barabbas <laughs> was the criminal that got freed. Wow. Well, Barabbas also also was a traitor to small <laughs> you know, business. Some cobras for fifty bucks, bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Barabbas. Um, but when the flagship store came in Denver, you had like, um, God, what was that little shop on Broadway that was owned by Gartz? Um, Grand West. Grand West went out of business. All of these stores went out of business. And it, it strikes me as similar to this time. It was like, holy cow, how do we stay in business with REI? who like offers free returns on any gear and right. the internet, you know, it's kind of a similar vibe back then. Like how, how do we stay in business? Now we have a pandemic that cl- causes yeah. you guys to close your doors, you know? Right. Right. Scary shit. Yeah. I mean, maybe we should jump right in. I mean, I would love to hear like your guys's experiences uh, yeah. so far. I mean, you are two people like who are being most impacted yeah. small business owners. Boy, you know, it's, uh, I don't know what your, I don't know what your experience has been, Thomas, or I would imagine DBC closed right around that the state of home order, uh, late March. Yeah. We, we actually voluntarily closed, I guess the day before. And, yeah. it, you know, we, we agonized over the decision for, you know, what should we do? What shouldn't we do? And finally we're like, Hey, we're going to err on the side of caution and closed. And then, you know, like the next day, the stay at home order came out. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like the 14th or the 15th. Yeah, us too, like, we we one of my I think it, it it was a very strange time for me because I had been I went on a ski trip in Canada and we had we were in a backcountry hut in British Columbia with no cell phone reception and no internet for the week of the March seventh through the thirteenth. So we walked, yeah. we went into the hut and we were like. Oh, it sounds like it's getting pretty bad in Washington's uh, getting a lot of cases. To when we came out of the house, like, oh my God, the apocalypse has happened while we were away. And it was really having to make some very quick decisions. And the main, I guess, guiding principle for me was uh, I would not want to be working with the public right now on any level, really. And uh, 
I really can't expect my employees to do that either. Um, I mean, I, I, if I'm going to, you know, make a ruling in my business that is uh, impacts people and possibly their, their safety and their health. Um, it'd be like, I'd have to be willing to do that myself. And I, I actually was kind of grasped right away the severity of this, uh, disease and pandemic. And, um, so here we are, you know, navigating as I'm sure you are the SBA loan, uh, packages that are supposed to be available to us as small businesses. Um, Having to tell your employees you're laid off, um, which is pretty much, you know, you, you sit here and do the numbers and say, all right, here we've got this amount of money and we've got this much staff and it just can't work. We can't keep everybody going right now. Um, and then it's one thing to do that. And it's a whole other thing when you have to look somebody in the face and say, I'm sorry, I have to furlough you. Like that was the hardest thing really I've ever had to do as a business owner in 20 years, like bar none, like you know, finances come, finances go. We have great years. We have bad years, but like having to tell your team that, uh, you can't continue to employ them. Like your team is like kick ass, like an amazing role that you work with very closely is. Yeah. I think it's been, to me, that's been like the hardest part of this whole thing. Yeah. I think, I think we keep finding ourselves. in. What about you, Thomas? How did that look? Oh, well, I mean, very similar. You know, I think uh, typically with business, if you're running into issues, you're like, oh, hey, you know, things are down 10% this month or, you know, we're having some sort of issue or a new competitor or we want to expand our business or something's changing. You know, there's not a lot of, I guess, scenarios for the whole business revenue goes from 100% to 0% in a matter of several days. Uh, it's just really not. And, you know, a business doesn't work by just like sitting on this pile of cash and, and handing out money to people. You know, we make a dollar, we give a bunch of people five cents. And if at the end of that, we have five, 10 cents left over from it, we're yeah. doing fantastic. Like that's a, yeah. a huge yeah. success in business. So the idea that like, you know, the amount of money, the DBC goes down to 0%, but all of our expenses are there. We still have employees we're trying to take care of. Uh, you know, we still have to pay our rent, our utilities. And uh, for us in particular, we're in the middle of an expansion for a third location. So we have a ton of money tied up in, in adding this Thornton location. So it kind of is just one of those, you know, doomsday scenarios where uh, all of the money that's coming in from the business just evaporates overnight. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and, you know, having those conversations with employees about, hey, we're going to furlough you. Hey, we're going to lay you off and try and hire you back in a, in a few weeks here. Uh, you know, they're never just I've never been prepared to do that. I never expected to have a conversation with employee about how we're going to furlough them. I never expected to have a conversation with an employee about like, hey, you know, we're we if we make this decision it's better for the business, but people might die. Um, you know, we've never had a conversation like that. We've never uh, you know, had to triage like our employees by who can pay their rent this month and who can't pay their rent this month. Uh, it's it's completely uncharted territory. And yeah, we yeah. find ourselves in situations where the, the decisions we're making are like all really crappy and we're trying to pick the least crappy. Yeah, thing right. that we can do. There's not like a, hey, here's the good option. Here's the bad option. It's like, here's mm. seven really shitty, crappy options that we can choose from. And let's pick the one that has the yeah. least. Side. 
That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, there are no good decisions. It's like when you're dealing with even, you know, we've retained a core team of, uh, you know, our internet operations are up and running and we're shipping and our warehouses in operation. Although, you know, we're practicing extreme social distancing. We've had to cut our staff to two just because of the space that we occupy um, on any day, like working together, you really can't have more than two people in our space and not, and, and have that distancing. But um, so we have a team of four in myself now and I compare it to like, we're on the, we're on the lifeboat and we're all rowing and we're all bailing water out of the boat and we're all like taking over when that guy's tired. And you know, when, when, when Jason can't row anymore, he goes and sleeps and the rest of us bail and row. And that that's, and everybody's learning new skills and everybody's trying to adapt to, you know, the, the team that is remaining right now are, they're doing things that they've never done before. You know, like the store manager shipping boxes and uh, you know, the buyer is, you know, sending, uh, packages on Amazon and helping, you know, upload feeds in the, in the warehouse. And, um, we're just kind of trying to keep it going. I, it's like, we're keeping, so our revenue has gone to zero. It's gone to just online revenue, but the store has always been the main business. The majority of our, I mean, our business happens in, in the brick and mortar store. And that's the team that's mostly been, um, you know, for like, we went, we've gone from 22 employees to four right now. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm one of those that doesn't work anymore there for the time being. Yeah. Dave. Here's what, here's the deal. We've gone from shipping and receiving to shipping and no receiving because we're not getting (laughs) Therefore. There's no copywriting or web content necessary. I know. Um, so have you guys, as a small business owner, do you guys get any guidance from state or federal governments about when to start preparing to open back up? Like, it, or are you just totally blind mm-hmm. every single day? Mm-hmm. Or do this you hear things yeah, no, I mean, there's there's nothing uh, right now. They're saying the stay at home order expires April 26th. Uh, yeah. The current guidelines are we're going to be able to open at the beginning of May. That seems un- unrealistic, but there's this really weird dichotomy where, you know, one side saying we should stay closed forever and the other side saying we should have opened a week ago. And I think, you know, the idea of a, a natural disaster of this magnitude in election year is kind of a recipe for disaster. And right. it's really hard to get any, actual relevant information that's not um, either, you know, blaming someone or taking a bunch of credit for, uh, you know, the the successes or the failures of this crisis. Um, it's it, And everything just changes from day to day, like what we were looking at two, three days ago uh, with, you know, potential SBA funding and things like this coming through is now completely different than it is today. Um, I can't imagine that, you know, if we had this conversation on, on Tuesday that, you know, we would, we would be in the same place that we are now. So it's, uh, you know, I think that's part of it, you know, when we talk about being busier than we've ever been is not that there's this huge workload. It's that you're constantly having to come up with plans and contingencies, and then there's all wadded up and thrown into the garbage, like the next day and you start over, uh, and like, you know, it, 
that's the hardest part is when we first closed down, we were told it was going to be through the end of March that, you know, 15 day order turned into a 30 day that turned into a 40 day that could very likely turned into a 60, you know, or a 90 day order. And if, if someone could tell me right now, here is for sure the day that we can reopen, it'd be a lot easier to come up with a plan. Uh, but right now we kind of have to be prepared for being able to open, you know, a few weeks from now or a few months from now and, find some way to take care of our employees and, and juggle all of the business obligations um, for kind of this in indefinite amount of time right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That seems like impossible to wrap your head around or like make a plan. You, you guys just are hamstring to make any sort of plan. Oh man, more sirens. Um, yeah, it's whack-a-mole. It's just a game of whack-a-mole every, every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Nobody, I mean, and this is all of us, like, as um, as a country, as a world, like, nobody ever had a contingency plan for what would happen if the world's economy stopped for two months. Like, like what does that look like? Like, nobody's built that into their business model or, or planning. So everybody's just winging it. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like, all right, well, take the information day and try to speculate what the world's going to look like uh tomorrow yeah yeah i mean I, th I think one thing we're talking about and we don't have to focus on this i'm sure we're all in the same boat um is like a lack of federal leadership and that's fine we don't have to focus on that but it it makes me think about what leadership looks like right now um and we'll mm -hmm. start with you, Don, since you were just talking, you're the you're the leader of Wilderness Exchange. You're the owner. You're the guy who created it. What does leadership look like for your company right now uh, in this time? It's got to be painful. You know, I, I, I was reading two books uh, in January, and it, it's, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, – it's been on my mind a lot. Um, the need for wilderness exchange in its current state to develop a cult, you know, how we develop our next leaders, we develop a culture of leadership. And we were actually, I was going to be taking my team uh, down to a retreat. Uh, and that would include, you know, our, our, our four upper management uh, folks in the company, our operations manager, Jason, Luke, who you've met, you've met all these guys, Peter yeah. and Spencer, the warehouse lead and, and manager. We were, we were going to go down to Baja and we, we were bringing in a, uh, a really good friend of mine who does uh, leadership training. And uh, we were going to talk about, um, you know, developing our skills and, and developing, you know, the tools we have at our disposal to, to kind of, you know, institutionalize because we have no management training. And I, I realized that was a weakness of the business. So I was reading two books one was uh, a, um, a collaborative book called Crucial Conversations. And the other was a book, uh, Endurance, the story of uh, Shackleton. Oh, yeah, Shackleton. And at the time, I had no idea that actually Endurance, the story of Shackleton, would be more relevant for what's going on in my life today than Crucial <laughs> Conversations. Oh, my we God. We're drifting on the ice sheet. We're the ship's breaking. The lifeboat's out, man. Let's get the supplies, guys. Like, let's row. We're like hell. Uh, so that and ultimately ended up being the uh, guiding leadership tome of information that's we're using currently. 
yeah, like, the endurance okay. and uh, we're swimming. <laughs> Tough decision after tough decision after tough decision after tough decision with no good. So Go ahead. You, your compass is broke. Your compass is broken. You know, like your rudders uh, rotted out of your boat, and you're just kind of, you know, trying to figure out your bearings. And uh, you know, on one hand, it's having to keep the psych of your team high and having to stay positive, even though you yourself are experiencing fear and anxiety and internalizing all those things yeah. and, and, and having a very positive uh, message for your crew and for your team. And um, it's challenging me beyond uh, anything I've ever dealt with in terms of leading a company or leading an organization. Uh, it, it, it's a defining moment. Like there's one thing I've learned in climbing uh, style matters and like I want to deal with this in a classy way and treat people well through the process. And, and not everybody's acting at their best right now. I mean, people are stressed and they're concerned and they're gripped. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a very, you know, it's a velvet you have to use right now to handle people. Uh, and uh, you know, doing that while you're going through all of these emotions yourself and um, you know, fighting for the survival of your business and envisioning what the future looks like is uh it's challenging, but it's it, honestly like I have a great team and like we are tightening as a crew right now. It's amazing. Uh, like I'm gaining new respect for the people I've worked with that I've never had before. And I, I hope that goes two ways, you know, with, with me as well as them. Uh, but uh, they're, they're, they're helping me. Like they're raising my spirits uh, and I'm talking on the phone and we're doing video conferencing every other day. Uh, to check in and see how things are going. Um, so yeah, you, you know, this this is an example right now. What we're doing tonight of what I think the future of retail is really going to be, at least for the short term. Um, we're all learning these conferencing tools, and they're all actually kind of good. Like you know, we're using Google Hangouts. I know a lot of people are using yeah. Zoom. This is my first experience at the house party. All of these tools are going to be the new way that people interact. And I believe that us interacting with our customers is going to be relying on this tool. And like, we're thinking about the future right now, um, you know, like no contact transactional, you know, how to do that, how, how to have a meaningful interaction with the customer without having to actually touch them or, um, or, or interact, you know, intimately with them, like you have to do when you're fitting a boot or fitting a pack or fitting a climbing shoe. Um, you know, how do you use these tools to possibly do that uh, in the new, the new normal that's going to follow right now? Like, how do you, you know, how do you have a store? And I guess the grocery stores kind of serve as a model for this right now. Um, everybody's going to be wearing masks. We, we've already bought fields for the registers we're already thinking about like, there's going to be somebody's job is going to be like, dude, you're the Lysol guy. Like this hour, you're just going to spray everything. Like that's all you're going to do for now. Spray the, spray the stays in the pack before you touch them. And Luke, you're bound to. Yeah. Like, you know, you, there, there's a tape. I'm just going to let you in the shop. <laughs> um, so 
you, you kind of work in a place that is like the antithesis of what we should be doing right now is like sharing the same holds and being close to each other and blah, blah, blah. So I want to ask you the same question um, that I asked Don is what does leadership as an owner of a climbing gym kind of feel like and look like right now? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the same things. I think there's a, a little bit of a dichotomy of like, you know, being the person who has to worry about everything and then also kind of, you know, having this, you know, confidence and plan and not necessarily projecting that worry on your staff. Um, but I think for us, you know, we have a really amazing team. We have a lot of employees who have been with us for a long time. So, uh, we're trying to take leadership on kind of a case-by-case -case basis. You know, we have employees right now who uh, don't know how they're going to pay their rent. They don't know how they're going to provide for themselves. Um, and and their, their biggest thing is getting hours and getting back to work as soon as possible. And we're trying to have some employees do that, you know, getting the gyms cleaned up. We're going to reset everything and kind of just do some, you know, miscellaneous, you know, gym improvement type things. Uh, we also have employees who have, you know, health concerns um, who – the thing that they really right, need right now is to stay at home and to get as much distance as possible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my, my leadership is, is trying to really uh, understand each person's individual situation. Cause what, you know, what would be the best thing for one person would be the worst for the other and uh, trying to have that communication with all of our staff, but it, it's challenging, you know, like what you kind of alluded to at the start of this, our, our business is based upon community. It's bringing people together, uh, you know, having that we're all part of something that's bigger than any of us individually. And that's not, you know, where our society's at right now. We're not saying, hey, let's get, you know, 20 of your closest friends to go have a session on a Tuesday night. Um, but, you know, when, when, when we can start doing that again is, is still kind of a big question mark for everyone. Um, and, you know, I think the, the key thing is that, you know, what the DBC offers and this, you know, this very climber centric community is something that had a lot of value before this um, and is going to have, you know, probably even more value to people after this. Uh, you know, like it's uh, Dave McLeod has this thing where he talks about getting injured is the best thing that can happen to you as a climber because it'll take away climbing from you. It'll make you really value it. And uh, you'll come back from your, you know, finger tweak or whatever, more psyched and more motivated than you ever were before. Um, and I think, you know, whether that's a few weeks from now or a few months from now, you know, I think that's what we're really hoping for from our community is that they appreciate uh, just what climbing's given all of us um, even more than they did before this happened. Yeah. That's, that is a good point. I mean, so I guess this is kind of a question more so for, for Thomas, but you guys haven't really gotten in that much direction. It seems like from government in terms of how, small businesses can be expecting to return but is the is the climbing wall community kind of coming together and trying to figure out ideas for like the reintegration of, of customers in your gyms because like we we obviously mentioned uh allowing big groups is probably something that is going to be restricted or prohibited and wow. maybe like figuring out systems for how you can taper like members to come in or i'm just kind of curious if that's yeah, kind of been happening in the background. At you know, all. I think that there's a lot of people who've been trying to work on it. It's a very challenging thing because, you know, our industry is very different, you know, like uh, there's, you know, really big gyms, there's really small gyms, there's a lot of different things that happen in a gym from people just kind of climbing on their own to youth teams to group workout classes. Um, and then also this 
crisis is very regional. You know, what we need to roll out for a get back to business plan for, you know, New York City versus, you know, Boise, Idaho are going to be different things. So I think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces to it. Uh, you know, most of what I've heard is going to be some sort of limitation based upon the size of your facility. So saying, you know, you need to calculate what appropriate social distance would be and say, you know, for every six, uh, you know, square foot area or something like that, you know, that's kind of what your business's occupancy is. Um, but I also think that every business is going to have to make difficult decisions here outside of, you know, what the government's telling us to do. Uh, you know, we made the decision to close down on our yeah. own. Uh, there's very likely going to be a point where, you know, what, what we can do and what we should do might not be the same thing and what, what's good for the business, what's good for our community, short-term, long-term, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you know, really difficult questions that have to be, have to be asked and have to be answered. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to say I have, uh, this, you know, plan in place that's going to get everything <laughs> together. But again, it's a really, it's a day by day thing. And if, even if I, if I came to you with my, you know, uh, PowerPoint presentation about what's going to happen, it would be, it would be void, uh, you know, in three, four days based upon just how much things have changed and things could really start to level off this next week. And, and honestly, at the beginning of May, we could be in a, a really low risk situation for most people in Colorado. Um, it could also get a, get a whole lot worse. And, you know, it's really hard. Uh, it's not something that I'm an expert in. So like me trying to balance my, you know, optimism and hopefulness with like the, you know, prepare for all sorts of situations. It's, it's a constant back and forth. Oh, man. What awful questions that you've never had any, you've never had any, you've never had any practice answering and all, all of a sudden you have to answer all of these like impossible questions. Yeah, I mean, we just wanted to create a community of people who could come together and share rock climbing. I don't know if, uh, you know, this whole, uh, you know, laying people off, let's see if we can get government assistance like that. That wasn't part of the plan when we were all like, hey, let's let's start a rock climbing gym. Uh, let's let's work in the industry that we love. You know, it was it wasn't for this this part of it, but it's also what we signed up for. And it's not like the DBC is the only you know, person or entity that's, that's suffering right now. This is across the globe. It's, it's every business in the United States, you know, small businesses, big businesses, people individually, um, you know, what's, what's going to happen in, you know, developing nations over the next year, you know, what the long-term implications of this and the damage to the world economy is going to be is, is, you know, you know, it's not just affecting us. So I think that that's something that, I'm trying to keep in mind throughout this rather than taking a woe is me attitude and all of the negative stuff that's happening to us is, is just try and, you know, focus on, on what we can do right now, uh, if anything, to, to get us in, in a better position. Yeah. Thomas, I, 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 that kind of what you're saying right now makes me think in a bigger picture terms of, of uh, what, you know, in, in the post COVID world, how, you know, climbing is a risk is a risk activity, and you know everybody makes their own decision about the level of risk that they're willing to accept with the sport. But um, one thing I thought about is like, I wonder how um, risk averse people will become, and whether climbing may be uh, something that people are less willing to engage in than they are today. Because you know, like, boy, when life is really stressful. Maybe you don't want to get all run out on a number six RP up at Aldo. Uh, 
you know, or when life is good and, and times are great. Yeah. I mean, we have the spare time and we have the, you know, we, we can go and, and, and challenge ourselves with risk activities. And I've, I've thought about that, like culturally, like how, um, you know, how will we approach risk in our recreational activities in this post COVID world? Um, or is everybody just going to want to, you know, have this nostalgia for the past and hole up and just live safe lives. Like they have after wars and you, you got to compare this in one way to like, we're living through a war right now. It's a different kind of war, but the, the, the real things that are happening right now are kind of the same thing that happens in war, you know, scarcity, a state of anxiety that may last for the foreseeable future. And how will that affect people's uh, general, you know, uh, desire to engage in risky activities? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's kind of this weird vibe out there when you go out into the public. Uh, you know, people are yeah. way less extroverted than they used to be. Um, people are staying at home, eyeing each other suspiciously a lot more. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I worry about the long-term effects on our society, you know, especially, you know, for having a business that's community-oriented. But just in general, like if this is going to make just – you know, America or the world, uh, more, more, have more phobias of germs and, and being around other mm -hmm. people. If it's going to make people, uh, do we lose Dave there? I don't know if it's just, really, <laughs> <laughs> we just went all like, you know, if it's just going to make people, you know, more apprehensive about things that they used to do before. And like, if, you know, I don't know how long we're going to feel that effect. You know, it, even if yeah. everything was gone today and the world was 100% safe tomorrow, you know, how many people are still going to want to keep, you know, hiding out? Uh, and I, I, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's such a good question. And, and I mean, just also the fact, too, um, that currently climbing outside is sort of a taboo thing, slash, it's, it's something that isn't. Should, is, the community as a whole has kind of decided that is something that shouldn't be happening right now. And, mm -hmm. and seeing when, when communities start deciding, you know, like when is it okay to start reintroducing the sports we love or the activities we love? So, yeah. I mean, I don't know about that. We, I was at uh, driving through clear Creek last weekend. There was like 50, 60 call, cars at the Primo wall. So I think a lot of people are, are still going climbing outside. Um, so I think it's uh I've been trying to find really yeah, secluded okay. places like just go hike around, walk with my dogs. But yeah. I think, you know, everyone's handling this in a different way. Um, and mm -hmm. with climbers, it's really tough because they're such active people and so used to doing stuff that the idea of, hey, spend two months at your house is is a really rough thing. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to judge anyone else for taking this less seriously or more seriously because I feel like it's just been so constantly changing. You know, people are telling us this was no worse than a cold and we shouldn't worry about it. Uh, and you know right. what the guidelines are, are the complete opposite of what they told us two weeks ago. And, you know, I just, I don't even know what to make of all of it. Um, you know, I, I'll give you an example. We were talking about like leadership, maybe on a, on a personal level we've discussed, but how, how we're trying to lead our community in doing the right thing. And, here's kind of a, a real life uh, discussion that came up in our team a week ago uh, before all the snow happened. I, I rode, I live right by Eldorado Canyon. So I rode my bike up to Eldo and I talked to the Ranger and I was like, Hey, how, how are things going with people climbing? Uh, what are you seeing? And they said, we're discouraging climbing. There are still climbers in the Canyon. And then it was like sad 
a week ago Saturday, a sunny, beautiful 60 degree spring day. And I, I like, can I, I'm going to go in the Canyon and take some photos. And I, I took a shot of the wind tower and during normal times on an April day on Saturday, that it would be crawling with people. There was not one person on the wind tower. And I thought that was really, wow. remarkable. and then I asked them, uh, so how many search and rescues events generally happen in the Canyon on any given year? And they said about 20, uh, you know, maybe one or two a month. And I was like, how many have happened since, you know, the stay at home order? And they said, none. I was like, that's awesome. And then I went back to my team and we're talking about, Hey, let's make a social media message about this and talk about how great we're doing as climbers. And then as the discussion went on, we, we had a post earlier in the week about hiking and it stirred a firestorm. I mean, people were just like, uh, getting into just really inflammatory discussions on it. We had to bar people from our site uh, because they were asserting their right to go recreate. It became a, a, a real negative uh, post. And then we were thinking about it. It's like, there's really no way to make the post without stirring up anger or people. So we just left it there. And it's unfortunate because like what we wanted to say was like climbers, man, we're doing a great job. Like, look at, this is a Saturday at Aldo. There's nobody on this cliff. Thank you so much. And we knew we'd just be like putting our foot in our mouth and starting a flame war in our social media. Yeah. So social media is a dangerous place right it now. It is. Just so it's many a liberty people on your side. It's like, God damn, I want God damn go. I wrote an article uh, kind of like taking climbers to task for going to Bishop. I'm sure you probably saw that one. I did. Uh, I got so one of the girls who was quoted and one of the women, sorry, she got at least one death threat that she sent me. I got called uh, a a liberal fashion. Dude, I can't even tell you all. I mean, hundreds of hundreds of comments. People were like, you fucking don't control me. You're a liberal. That was was a call. What's that? That was just Eric Cole. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. <laughs> well, we're talking about we're talking about community. The most the question I wanted to ask you guys the most during our discussion, and we'll start with you, Don, is how has the community, your wilderness exchange community, reached out and tried to help or tried to assist? or sent you messages, what is the feeling from the community been like uh, that you've received? We, uh, we had a, we had a coupon go out in our first week of store closure and uh, it was like, Hey, we have a private, e- a proprietary email list of all of our customers. And we generally send some kind of promotion uh, once every month or once every other month. And we sent out a coupon just like, Hey, you know, we're still here. If you have any needs that we can help you with, use this coupon for a discount. And one of our customers wrote us back and said, um, I want to support you guys and not use a coupon. Thank you very much. Uh, wow. ski packer. That was really awesome. Uh, wow. Like our, our, especially our climbing vendors have been completely behind us in um, extending dating on, on, on payables. We have due right now. 
Um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about like, we still, there's still going to be rock climbing. There's still going to be the sport. Um, we're all taking a pause right now. And um, there still be, there, there will still be business to ha- be had moving forward. And our, our vendor partners have been really good. I mean, almost like across the board, they're bending over backwards to help us out through this. And uh, that, you know, the climbing is a little different than the rest of, you know, we, we sell backpacking equipment, we sell camping gear, we sell ski gear. Climbing has always been different. And dealing with climbing companies who are run by climbers, who are still generally pretty small in the whole scheme of the outdoor industry, um, it's why I'm still doing it. Um, I mean, these relationships are are just strengthening right now. Um, it's been great. Wow, that is good. What about and you, Thomas? I mean, Denver is in your freaking name. You guys are one of the institutions of climbing in Denver. Period. Um, you guys are like the the smaller gym that's badass in every way. Super core training, great setting, good community. You've gone from a tiny little establishment to soon three gyms. How has the community reached out to you um, and helped in any way? Or like, what's that vibe been like? Uh, Super awesome. Our our community has been really fantastic. We've had a ton of people reach out, kind of wanting to reactivate their memberships and and keep their gym membership going when when they can't use the gym. Uh, We've also sent out some stuff in our newsletter as far as like uh, employee tip jar and like, hey, do you want to just basically donate money directly to our employees and gotten thousands of dollars from our customers saying, Hey, we want to make sure, you know, these people who are working in the gym, uh, you know, have some money to, to get through this crisis. Uh, and it's, it's really heartwarming. Uh, we've got a ton of kind words and people just reaching out saying that, you know, since we've been closed, they've really been missing us and they appreciate, uh, just what the community is, has their, their, their role in the community and having that as something that they can go to. Um, especially since it's, everyone's hurting right now. You know, even the people who, who haven't lost their job, like there's, there's huge impacts on everyone's lives. So to have people, you know, kind of extend, you know, beyond their own bubble to be worried about us is something that, uh, it means, Mm. it means a lot to me personally. Yeah. I I mean, if, if anything, you know, that's, it's all this positive community feedback you guys are getting. I think it's a testament to, how good of a job you guys have done establishing yourselves as, you know, with these strong cultures and, uh, you know, the people really love you guys. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not surprised you guys have so much. That's support. my hope. If, if we had to, you know, reach out to all of our customers and sell them on why the DBC is such a great place at this point, um, we wouldn't be able to do that. Like they, you know, you already have to feel that already have to know that already have to have had really positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. With um, and, and then we're kind of getting some of that love back. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, I guess a validation of, of kind of the work we've put into the gym and, and how much we've cared about our community over the years that we're getting some of that back during these times. Well, Thomas, have you talked to, um, I'm curious to know from your perspective, what, what you think the climbing gym industry is going to look like once, whatever is happening right now, the pandemic um, kind of subsides or at least relaxes for a season. Um, do you have any thoughts about like about that? Have you talked to any other gym owners? Have you talked to anybody who's like, I gotta, I gotta put away my shingle. Like I can't keep this going anymore. 
Um, you know, I haven't talked to anyone personally who is is you know wanting to close down shop at this point. I think the expectation is things are going to return to normal. Um, it's kind of just a question of when, but that that question of when is also going to dictate a lot of this. You know, if this ends in two weeks, we're all going to be fine. Like no one's going to forget about this. Um, if this goes on and it gets much worse, and it's August and things are still locked down, um, you know, there's a really really high chance that you know, any small business in the United States is, is, you know, likely to go out of business or at least get close to going out of business. Um, but it also depends on, you know, this SBA program, if it gets more funding, if, you know, the, the flexibility that landlords have with their tenants, you know, how that kind of go- progresses over the next few months, um, how much our community and customers are, are willing to support and help out or even do things like what what Don's talking about of foregoing the coupon and, and doing the little things like, you know, how much of that can continue if this goes on for another two months or three months or four months. Um, you know, there's a lot of question marks, but I I think that climbing is a really amazing sport. It's changed my life in so many ways. Uh, pretty much everyone that I've seen who gets exposed to it ends up having this really positive impact on their life from it. And you know, that's not going to go away because of the virus. Um, if anything, it's going to make us more psyched to get back climbing. Uh, and my expectation is that, you know, at, at least for the DVC, that we're going to get back to right where we were with, uh, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of really psyched people in the Denver area sharing this this thing that they love. Well, I'm fucking psyched to get back at it. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Don, what about you as well? Um, was there ever a point during this or – you know, if this keeps rolling out to just um, a horrifying level of stay at home, was there or is there ever a thought what, that you had where like you're thinking, I, I, I don't I, I don't think we can weather this storm. I don't I don't like I think I look at well, it's like we're it's like we're a mushroom. We have a good root system and, and we have a solid place in the community uh, in Denver in the front range and people have had great generations of climbers have had great experiences with our shop and they're continuing to support us. And we may like have to just have roots for a while, but we'll pop out again. Uh, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very committed to the company, the business, the mission and, uh, you know, the, the, the online portion of it will carry us through at least um, not in the same, you know, form that we're in currently, but you know, in, in 12 to 16 months, things will go back to normal because there'll be, there'll, there'll be a, uh, um, a vaccine, right? So we know that this is, we know that it's going to exist in some form for another year and it's going to impact the way people approach public places and retail the public place so um you know the the willingness of people to go into spaces that are occupied by a lot of people are, are going to be different for a year but we know that in 12 to 16 months it will go back to normal and this will be behind us but it might be that long till it's normal again yeah, it's a matter of holding on through that time, and uh, and I mean, we've had hard, we've had over the course of twenty years, 
great recession, um, a lot of challenges and a lot of, uh, you know, threats to the business from online competition, from big box, from all, all sorts of things. And I, I think that people will always want to have a human interaction with another person and engage in the stoke about what these sports are all about. And that's what it is. It's like, we get stoked from our customers. Our customers get stoked on our stoke and that's not going to go away. And if it is 12 months, I think that we can get through it um, and, and just tighten our belts and, and, and make it. Uh, and I think we will. Definitely confidence in that. Wow. This is uh, a number of degrees more positive than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I'm so fucking psyched right now. Like you guys seem pretty uh, bummed for sure, but confident in the long run. That's because yeah. I drank whiskey before getting on this call. <laughs> I was I was going to go the other direction. That's because I was going to say I'm only one white claw into the evening. If you had scheduled this for like 9 p.m., it would have been a lot of doom and gloom. And another thing, um, you know, but I think part of owning a business is you have to kind of try and look for the positive, and here's the way we get through it, um, you know. And at least not on, uh, you know, in public have have too much of a woe is me attitude. Uh, I don't know because we have to get through this. We have, you know, twenty four employees that are all kind of counting on on things getting back to normal at some point. Well, um, last thing I want to I want to ask is because um, we'll wrap this up here in a sec. But is there anything that people can do? to help out either of your businesses during this time, especially as we're kind of, you know, pray to God, we're, we're nearing the finish line of this first cycle of the coronavirus. Um, is there anything people could do or that you would want to ask of uh, the community to help out or, or to be safe or whatever? Do you have any messages you'd like to send out? You know, for me, it's just, I think, when we, when we do reopen in whatever level we do, it's going to be like Thomas has indicated, like we're kind of making this up as we go along. And I think we're going to get some things wrong. Like, and just maybe be patient with us. We're going to try like at the best we possibly can to create a safe public environment. And like, we're committed to that. You know, we want to make sure that our business is not adding to the problem but it is helping get us through this time. And we're going to have a lot of measures in place that ensure our customers and our employees safety. Like we're already thinking about, you know, having credit card transactions without having to have a signature or pad or, cha or change a pen and how we're going to yes. work traffic through the store and how we're, we have a two floor operation. We have a stairway, like how we're going to manage, you know, walking people through the store and actually engaging in uh, a shopping experience and just be patient with us. Cause we're probably going to get some things wrong and it's not because we're trying to target anybody and, and, and enact some kind of draconian measure that you need to wear a mask. You need to be safe, but you know, we are going to ask people to stay six feet distance and, and we hope that that makes them feel safer in our in store environment. So I guess just be patient while we figure out how we do this and, we're going to try to do it the right way to where we're keeping everybody safe. Yeah. 
What about you, Thomas? I think your struggles on that end might be a little bit bigger. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's you know, everything we've seen from our community has been awesome. People wanting to reactivate their memberships, people wanting to you know donate to our employees are awesome. Uh, just the general psych that people have given us is really, really valuable um, for any sort of business, especially a small business. Uh, things like Google reviews and just word of mouth are super, super valuable for that business to continue operations. Um, but also, I think the real important thing is is making sure that everyone's in a position to help out and kind of deciding from there, like, you know, can you keep your membership going? Can when the gym opens back up, could you afford to buy a 12 month membership? Um, because we want to get as much psych from our community as possible, but we also, you know, we're not the only people out there who are struggling. And so making sure that everybody, you know, looks out for their climbing gym for their neighbors, but does that in a way that will keep them going. Um, you know, we'd much rather have someone not be able to support us through this crisis and be our, our member, you know, for the next two years afterwards. And we want to see someone put themselves in a bad spot. Um, you know, so I think whatever people can do and, you know, really and truly even the people who've just been able to reach out and say hey we love you guys we miss you can't wait for you to reopen it it means a lot oh man um cd do you have any uh any lingering bombers yeah i feel like we touched on pretty much everything i was really curious to hear about and i agree with you in that it was a much more positive conversation which i'm happy it was because I think as someone who, you know, who actively uses the facilities and resources you guys offer, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys and I want to see your businesses survive this and thrive after. So I I much appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you guys went out of business, I'd fucking move out of Denver. That's like, that's all there is to it. I'm out of here. Like the two small independent businesses that I like, literally you guys are the two that I really, really admire. And I think you've done it the right way. Thomas, you built a culture from scratch when a Denver culture already existed and you fucking carved out your own niche and Don, I mean, wilderness is you get, you're the last soldier on the battlefield for small (laughs) shops in one of the biggest hubs of outdoor recreation in America. You're in. So you guys have to make it. We gotta make it, man. We're gonna make it. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you rooting for us. You know, we're doing everything. Yeah. Well, I know everybody's rooting for the entire industry, as you know, climbers are like one of the most supportive communities I've ever been involved with in my entire life. And, you know, climbers also have restaurants that they want to support and they have musicians they want to support and they have, you know, their local uh, bodega that they want to support. But I feel like uh, the first place they're going to throw a little bit of money if they're a core climber is, is to a shop like you, Don, and a gym like you, Thomas. And uh, that's got to be a good feeling. I mean, it's just, it's the nature of the business that you guys got into. Yeah, no, it's awesome. All right, guys. Well, uh, I appreciate your time. Dave, no, great to see you. Yeah, yeah great to talk to you. Here. Thanks for having us on tonight. Yeah, that was great. I know we have a lot of our former and current staff that hang out at DBC, and uh, I'm really glad to finally meet you. 
Yeah, you should. Uh, you should be up. We'll do a call with just the two of us and catch up and see if there's. Uh, For sure, I'd like to hear about your experience with the PPP and the SVA uh, products that you've been, I'm sure, like immersed in. Like, I hope I hope you like angry ranting. <laughs> <laughs> the only kind of ranting going on right now in America, dude. For the last four I years, angry ranting. I applied for the uh, economic injury disaster loan in March, like the, um, maybe three or four weeks ago now. I got an email from the government two days ago. It said it called me dear applicant. It was like, whoa, I'm an applicant. Cool. <laughs> I was like nothing with yeah. identity like a month ago. Yeah, that, uh, that whole game is, is just crazy. But I, I'd love to catch up with you about it and, and commiserate because I'd imagine we're probably in a pretty similar spot. Yep. Um, so sure. if nothing else, I can just do my angry ranting to someone who really sympathizes <laughs> with me versus my wife who just kind of I think is getting a little sick of me at this point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, you guys go commiserate and angrily rant, and me and Feedy will get this thing out on – Monday or Tuesday, and we'll give you a heads up when it happens. And then, okay. Thomas, Thomas, I'll be talking to you for climbing holds. If you guys have any, I'm definitely in the market for another batch. Yeah, I think John's actually going to go in tomorrow and try and round up some more. Uh, so I'd say maybe shoot, shoot him an email or a text, and you can just be on his list. Um, it's this weird, like, dropping meat into a piranha tank thing with some of the used holds because, yeah. like, everyone's <laughs> trying to get their home wall going right now. So, um, I just yeah. encourage you to to try and be at the tip of that spear. All right. I'll, I'll email him at uh, 630 in the morning tomorrow. Morning. <laughs> yeah. John doesn't sleep. We don't let him sleep. So whenever you <laughs> Good. I'll, I'll email Juliet at 530 and tell him to start kicking him too. Yeah, that'll get a response for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, cheerio. Can we see that again? You're all day. Keep it going, man. I'll shoot you a text. Super I'll shoot you, you a picture when it's done. Cool. Thanks, guys. All right. Good night, guys. See ya. Down in the city where the wind patterns change, blowing around the buildings all tall and strange. That's pretty good, dude. Doesn't that put you in a good mood hearing their positivity? Yeah, a little bit. I think uh, I, f- I feel bad for the gym owners, though, because... Dude, there is. I don't know when that's gonna. Yeah, be able we're to talking open about safely. we're talking about not having any guidelines. They literally have no f- idea what to expect. You know, there have They're, been some reports written recently, yeah. which I meant to read today, and once again, I just I fucking failed you, Feedy, and yeah. I failed our listeners yep. by not reading that. All of us. But there are some best practices stuff that is starting to hit. Um, mm-hmm. Hit social media about how gyms can open responsibly, but that's dude, that's a, part that's of the problem off. too. Is every single day, it feels like things change. Things change. I mean, Thomas talked about how they come up with plans and then they have to throw them away immediately because new information comes out or they realize something doesn't work about the plan. It's just it's hard to keep up with with everything it's the fucking world we live in so one of the things that like i think all of us need to be careful about is we watch these coronavirus press briefings that are basically uh trump rallies right and we're trying to navigate this global pandemic by 
fucking two hour press briefings every day. And it's just like, there's no long-term plan. It's always the here and now it's Georgia. We got to open, we got to save businesses. It's Denver. We can't shelter at home anymore. It's here and now. Okay. But what about two months from now? What about three months? If we're going to have a summer, yeah. right? Which is how we need to think. Like if we behave properly, the United States can have a kick ass physically distant still, but a kick-ass summer. Mm -hmm. We can get our June, we can get our July, we can get our August before flu season hits and we may be in for another round of this, who knows. Um, but if we're gonna do that, don't we have to have long-term plans, not these fucking 30-day plans, not governing by press briefing? It's, it's funny just seeing how all this kind of stems from that back to the conflict of how in some ways, you could almost see how the arguments from both sides have some validity to they them. They do. And so it just makes every, it's such a, it has a pretty wide area of, it's like grayness, you know? I, I mean, and, and then, and people are on the extremes of either side of that. And then there just isn't sad. There isn't just a consensus on it, I guess. It's, it's another thing that makes us so um, uniquely hard to talk about is because it, almost every single person, despite where they stand yeah. on the issue, has, like their points it's unique definitely points. have validity. Like I was in a group convert, group text today. It was like 10 of my friends. Yeah. And um, I was kind of like, well, you know, maybe it's time to get out climbing. <laughs> and they were all like, are you fucking stupid? No, let's wait long. And it changed my mind. You mm -hmm. know, I, my brain is old and rotten, but it is retains a little, little bit of malleability. Yeah. And they changed my mind. Like, yeah, maybe it's not time yet. So all of their arguments were valid, but I had talked to other friends who were like, I'm climbing alone. Nobody's with me. There are fucking 200 trail runners in Wash Park at every second of the day. There are mountain bikers, backcountry skiers. They all get to do what they want to do, but climbers can't climb. And that's a it's an erroneous base for an argument, but it's a valid point. You know, the base of the argument is they get to do it. Why can't I? Yeah. Fuck that. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. But the truth is like it's a valid point that maybe climbing isn't it, it might be kind of OK, but it's all about best practices. Yes, best practice. Cause it, yeah, no, it's, it's every, like most of the things people do are okay. As long as it's in this context of spreading a potentially fatal disease, it's making sure you're not in contact with people. Right. So that's where I think climbing is, is very much in this awkward spot where whether you like it or not, you do share holds and share space, share space. And when you live near, when you live in Denver, with a lot of climbers, no more open gyms. Like that means the local areas are going to get packed, you know? And then, and what are best practices? Who's out there giving us guide? Listen, entitled, spoiled Americans. Mm -hmm. Let's all raise our hands. We're all fucking entitled, <laughs> spoiled Americans. We cannot be trusted to control ourselves. Yeah. This is like that old, that, uh, psychological study on like kids where they sit a kid in a room and they put a really good looking like cookie in front Marshmallow. of Marshmallow. Yeah. Or something. They're like, look dog, if you don't eat this cookie ten for minutes. like 10 minutes, I'll get you fucking two of them. And the kids, they can't help themselves. <laughs> you know, that study, like the people who wait for yeah, the second marshmallow usually... has like, uh, 
they get better grades. They have a lower lower body mass index. They're they don't just suffer from better obesity people. as often. They're better people. <laughs> Too much. And I'm not gonna lie, Dave. I'm feeling a little bit like the kid who wants to eat the cookie, dude. Yeah, and I hate myself. We have to be two marshmallow people. Yeah, we have right to be now. two marshy, two marshy people. That's the name of this podcast is going to become two marshmallow people. Two marshmallow people. We're just two marshmallow people trying to find our way in well, this you, crazy, crazy world. Are you making a comment about my COVID nineteen body that I'm developing? I may be indicting myself. Actually, you look nice and fit. Thank you. I am portly and grotesque. Now. I feel I feel targeted as a marshmallow body. I'm sorry. I I don't think you look like a marshmallow. Fucking anyway, dude. I don't know what the uh, what to say. <laughs> I've made so much eye contact with people walking on the sidewalks. I know this is so and just looking at me like why are they why do they have microphones? Are they talking to microphones? And uh, we're being fucking responsible, dude. Um, all I, I want to say is, hey, tune in Thundercling podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. I guess what I would like to close with is that somebody out there. Somebody, please. please <laughs> say something. It's not going to be us. We are not fucking leaders in this community. We are a yeah. couple of podcasters. Somebody come up with best practices. How many people can be at one boulder? How many people should be sharing the same route? Should we wear masks when we belay? Should we wear masks when we fucking climb? Um is are there a certain number of cars that when we see the crag we should turn around yeah like what if we have rules that will allow us to hold people to account when we break them yes if we don't have any guidelines we can't fucking piss and moan at john and jane who are climbing with their 20 friends because nobody yeah i mean we should all have common sense, a yeah. little bit of common, common sense, sense but but yeah literally we can hold people to account we can do productive like shaming if we have some fucking Man, rules and so some it's gonna be really f interesting to see like how the climbing community comes back to terms with getting to the point where the consensus consensus is hey you can go climb again you know like there the that that scale of when it starts reaching that point is gonna be a chaos you know because i know. I, I mean, it all goes back to how we said everyone has a little bit of different perspective on it, and everyone's sort of a little bit right. So, who like wh who's going to be the first professional climber that's like, "Hey guys, I personally think it's okay to go climbing again." Well, I think someone's going to do it. And I, it's just going to be crazy. What you bring up is a good point. Like, there are two sides. There are so many people who want to go climbing right now, and so many people who don't. And that is um, reminiscent of our our the way that we're handling this crisis right now. So as a world they're kind of two ways out of this they're shelter in place until we have treatments and vaccine mm -hmm. okay we know that will destroy the economy of every country and, and that will literally destroy life as we know it we can't do that okay the other way is let's just let the virus run its course mm -hmm. let's let people get herd immunity and who dies who dies that's obviously unacceptable too yes just Where? like not everybody can go climbing and and everybody shouldn't be disallowed. From, let's find a nice, soft, moist, squishy, squishy. quite delicious, by the way, oh. middle ground. Let's find a middle ground. Yeah. And that means, I fucking hate to say it again, but coming up with some best practices for climbing. And that's the way we get through this until there are treatments and vaccines and mm -hmm. life can get a, a little bit 
you know, people can get sick and survive. Yeah. Instead of getting sick and like, oh, fucking Yahtzee, I'll roll these dice and see what happens. I don't so die. I'm calling out. I'm calling out the Access Fund a little bit. Yeah. I'm calling out the the American Alpine Club. I'm calling out everybody that we have elected as our leaders in this sport. Let's come up with some guidelines that you guys can kind of push out in the next month when every single state is going to be open again and mm-hmm. climbers are literally going to be pulling out their fucking hair because they want to go climbing so bad. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, don't let Thunder... Uh, Thunderclay will come out with some best practices. You won't like them, though. <laughs> <laughs> cough on every hole. Yeah, fucking <laughs> cough, dude. I dare you. <laughs> Sneeze on me. No, just kidding. We would never do that. Well, I'm mean, just going to go out. I'm going to just... I'm going to go out to a, a boulder or something in Clear Creek, and I'm going to put up signs that say, Feedies boulder, do not climb. I'm going to just start stealing boulders, claiming them. Yeah? Yeah. How do you think that's going to work out for you? Uh, very poorly. I doubt anyone will regard those signs with Historically, any... those kind of things don't really yeah, work out so, well in climbing. Okay, I guess I'll have to rethink it, but... It's not like you're a pioneer sticking out your chunk of land in <laughs> empty Kentucky. <laughs> Red, I call the red. The red's oh, mine. I call the no, red no, no, River no. Gorge. I'm going to go to Crags with inflatable blow-up dolls. Oh, and like make a Home look, Alone sort of thing? Well, yeah, and then make it look like the Crags packed with people. And in reality, it's just me. And, and then people will be like, oh, I shouldn't be out here. And Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern will be like, yeah, they're having a party. Yeah. I thought the parents were gone. I'm sorry. It's a Home Alone thing. Yeah, Remember was, when he sets up the party in the yeah. house and the fucking robbers are like, but it's really like a Michael Jordan cutout poster. and. Mm-hmm. Keep going. This is, I'm listening. This, this is, oh God, there's somebody else coming and yeah. they're going to look at us don't. with our microphones. I'm leaning. Here? Hold on. <laughs> that guy has no idea he's going to be on an internationally broadcast podcast. I hope it works out well for his clients, though. Yeah, well, um, that sounds, that's, like, that's like a grown ass man. That is a grown ass man walking his two beautiful dogs. dogs. Whoa. Um, okay, we're dropping. Yeah, stuff we're now. we're sort of just being stupid. All right, sorry. Either way, if we that missed was you guys. A little bit too preachy. I don't know. It's it felt, also confusing. I feel like we we're both preaching and then being extremely submissive at the same time. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. We're like, uh, oh. <laughs> everybody. Ha- what I want to say is everybody has va- all of your points yeah. are valid, but we should probably come to some sort of consensus as a community of outdoor athletes. And you know, you know, climbers do a lot of good in this world. Do a lot of fucking shitty stuff too, but. Also on Capitol Hill, you know, mm-hmm. protecting Arctic wildlands and yeah, let's keep doing that sort of stuff. Well, we're just going to be here hanging out until I can go back to the ways it was before, Dave. Yeah, we'll see when that happens. But it will happen again. It's coming, dude. It's coming. Yeah. Someday we don't have to be so distant anymore. I just miss snuggling. We all miss it, buddy. Okay. That's all. That's it. Thanks for listening. Message um, us at yeah. thunderclingpodcast at gmail.com oh, and yeah? uh, the thundercling on Instagram. Yeah. If you guys have um, any stories you'd like to tell about how you're getting coping with uh, this bullshit that's going on right now, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I'd love to hear it. And if yeah. you disagree with what we said, you know what? Text me. 303-621-6972. Oh! Bring your shit my way. You don't have yeah. to do it on Facebook. If you think we're stupid, give me a text and tell me why we're wrong and, and it, tell me why my logic is wrong. Prove it to me. 
Dave, prove it to me that we don't need a plan. Dave's that's fragile, all. though, so be careful. I'm fucking... The coronavirus has only made me stronger, bro. Oh, that's right. Um, okay, that's it. That's it. And we'll see you in a couple weeks, maybe oh, three. And hopefully it'll be a little bit better God. audio next time. And thank you to Thomas and Don. And we hope you guys are all doing well out there. We hope you're safe. Yeah. Um, we hope if you've lost any loved ones, we're so sorry for that. Nobody's perfect. Hang in there. And uh, we'll see you on the flippity floppity. Mm-hmm. But Hit not out of the crack. Gathering up time, ready to spend.